0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our Soquel location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: Good morning, let me try that again, there we go. Hey, good to see you all today. Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Danny, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, um, and I'm excited to share with you guys today. want to hear, um, how you guys doing? You guys doing good? Having a good summer? Man, what a, what a beautiful uh, summer it is out there. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to uh, get to share with you guys today from a scripture that has really meant a lot to me in my life. And um, can, I, can I start by telling you guys a super embarrassing story? You guys ready for that? Well, so um, I, you know, I grew up as my parents were Christians, and so they took me to church as a young man, and then while training to become a pastor, I went to Bible college. So I've been to a lot of church, but I'd never been until this moment, I'd never been to a Catholic church. And my wife, Jenny, and I were in the city, one of our favorite places to go on dates. We're just... We're walking around, we call it urban hiking, you know, putting in our miles, walking, and we're walking up to the top of this hill, and they have the most beautiful church there. I mean, it is like something out of like a Star Wars movie, man. This this building, if you haven't seen it, it is like this massive cathedral, and it's so tall and it's so ominous, and there's this like stained glass, and we're like, we gotta go check it out. And the doors are open. So we're like, let's, let's peek in there. And they're having a mass. And my wife is Sicilian, so like, you're pretty much like, you're born into the Catholic Church if you're Sicilian, you know what I'm saying? So she's Sicilian, and uh, so she knew a little bit more about what to do than I did, so she kind of led me by the hand, and we went and sat down, and I, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience being a pastor and going to a church service where I knew, I knew nothing what to do, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) like, there's repeat after me's, and there's, like, all these things that you're supposed to know how to say and to do, and then there's the time where, you you know, everyone stands up, and I'm, like, delayed reaction. They sit down, and I'm, like, you know, I'm doing this whole thing, and and uh, and Jenny knew a little bit more about it, and, uh, and it was beautiful, you know, beautiful service, beautiful building, uh, beautiful words that they shared, and the prayers, and then it came time for communion, and I was, like, Looked over Jane. I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what to do. I don't. I I, and so. But she's like, come on. She takes me by the hand, you know. And she, so she takes me in the line, and I didn't know you're not supposed to take communion unless you like grew up in the Catholic Church. Okay, I didn't know that. But I'm in there, and somehow I ended up in front of her in line. And I get down to the front, and you know, in, in normally they put the, the thing on your they put the bread on your tongue, right? Apparently, I have learned this since. But in the moment, it's COVID, and so they give it to you. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I stood there like this, and I just kind of went to the side, and I was going to have my prayerful moment. And he, he goes, you know, he said, the priest, God bless him, he said, take it now. And I'm like, okay. And he, and he goes, are you Catholic? And there's like 80 people behind me and all these people in the church. And like in the split second, the moment, I thought, well, the word Catholic means universal church of Christians. So I, I just put it on my tongue. Like this, I go, boom and I just walk away, so embarrassed, okay, we're we're clipping the live stream today, so I don't get in trouble, Uh, (laughs) getting my pastoral license revoked here, I didn't know, and I'm in this moment, and I didn't know what to do, and I just felt really dumb, and terrible, and I go back to my seat, and then the guilt just is coming over me, because I didn't know, was I supposed to do that, did I know, so anyways, so Jenny comes back, and we sit there for a second, and I'm just like, can we go, and we leave, we we left the service and we're walking the streets of San Francisco I just felt like this huge weight is on my shoulders I felt so much guilt you know because I didn't do it right I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to say did I lie to the priest am I Catholic am I not am I saved I don't know <laughs> so I went back for confession just kidding so I mean I <laughs> I already feel guilty and I've only been Catholic for one day no but um but the point of my story, obviously, that's a funny story, and I, feel really, I still feel bad about it. And, but it, that's false guilt, right? That's false guilt. That was not from God. That was just, I didn't know the right thing to do. And thank God, He's a merciful God, and that we can come to Him for forgiveness, that Jesus died for us, that we can receive communion because of what Jesus did for us, thankfully. Um, we, um, but who's ever had that feeling of just like, where you just feel covered in guilt? You ever had that feeling? Or maybe maybe you you feel like, man, I've blown it, and I need mercy. You know what I'm saying? And you maybe, maybe maybe you go to church, and you're like, your heart is right, and then you leave, and something happens. Like, for me, it's just like uh, driving. I can lose my Christianity while driving. It happened the other day, you know? I grew up in L.A. God forgive, Lord have mercy on me. I learned how to drive in Los Angeles, okay? So I know All the tricks and the moves and how to like, you know, and so this guy starts wedging himself out in front of me to basically like, you know, like force his way in. And I just, you know, instead of like a normal person slowing down, I lose my Christianity for about three seconds and I just, you know, okay, so Lord forgive me. So I have to pray this prayer all the time that David prayed. David wrote us this beautiful psalm, Psalm 51. We're going to be reading it today. We're going to read it, we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to read it again and respond. And how many of you guys know like we need to do soul care for in our lives, not just not just on Sundays. If you just eat food on Sundays, by the time you hit like Tuesday, you might you, you're like you're going to be really hungry, right? And as believers, like, you know, as pastors, we want to care for you, but the best way we can do that is by encouraging you to care to ultimately care for yourself, right? When you're a child, you need someone to care for you. But as a mature believer, we have to do soul care every day. And it's one of the most important things we can do, right? And we often are drawn to so many other things to prioritize over that. But it's so important that we every day take time to reset our heart. Amen? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for everything you do flows from it, right? And so our heart, how many of you guys know, we can as... Who here believes that christians we we can have a wrong heart sometimes you do you guys you guys agree with me? Can you be a believer and a Christian and blow up your life and go down the wrong path? That happens because we don't take time to care for our souls we don't allow our we don't we don't reset our heart with God. It's actually the most miserable place to be, and that's part of my story because I grew up in the church, but then I really tried to rebel at one point in my teen years, and I understand more of it now why, but at the time, I didn't even understand. I just had so much anger, and I just, I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to go to church, even though I knew that God had called me, and how many of you guys know that's the most miserable place to be? You know the goodness of God. You know the truth, and you're not walking in it, right? So, there's just like this tension in your soul, and I think David must have understood what that was like when he wrote this Song? Psalms are songs in the Bible. We have this beautiful uh, gift of the Psalms, and it's this, like, book of songs that was compiled. uh, A lot of them were written by King David, right? He's the famous king in the Bible that was the shepherd boy that fought Goliath and won and then became the greatest king of Israel, and he wrote this amazing song for us. But it came out of a moment where he blew up his own life. And and one would say maybe that if he had have been praying this prayer regularly, he wouldn't have got off track, but he got so far off track that he blew up his life, and there was a lot of collateral damage. But we'll talk about it, but I'm going to just read this psalm straight through, and um, we'll just see what it speaks to us today. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with the hyssop, and I will be clean. This was a, uh, a plant that was used for ceremonial cleansing in the temple, but also in the Passover when they, when they spread the blood over the doorpost of the lamb. It was used to, this was the, the branch. Cleanse me with the hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of a God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you, and bulls will be offered on your altar. Wow, what a beautiful song. But also you're thinking, man, David must have really blown it To, to pray that prayer, to be this great man of power, this king of influence with wealth and authority, to just be in such a humble place to say, have mercy on me, O God. Clean my heart. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. What's the background here? First of all, this is one of seven uh, penitential psalms, okay, seven songs where they're they're asking for forgiveness, asking for mercy, um, and it was written after Nathan the prophet came to David. First of all, Nathan is risking it to come to the king, and he confronts him, and he says, "Hey, David, you're the man, you're the man, David." Let me tell you this story. There's this rich guy, and he's got all this money and wives and livestock and all this stuff. And there's this poor guy, and he's got this little family, and he's got this one little lamb. And they became, it's like part of the family. They named it. They love this little lamb. And the rich guy comes and takes the poor guy's lamb and, 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 and kills it and eats it for his party. And he goes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that guy. Who is this guy? Right? David's like righteous anger. And Nathan says, you are the man. You're the man, David. That's not, you're the man you want to hear, is it? And what David had done was he had a great success. He won many battles, right? He would slayed the lion and the bear and Goliath. And he'd fought many battles and he'd won. And God was with him. And God had anointed him, and and he'd given him great power and influence to the point where he just had this big win, and instead of going off to battle again, he decided, I'm just going to stay home this time, right? So he got comfortable in success. How many of you guys know, success can sometimes be our worst enemy. Many people can have the right heart and, and can navigate trials, but very few people can have the right heart when they experience success. Right? And we're a culture that we idolize celebrity leaders, don't we? We, love to just, we? we love to just fuel the flame until they flame out, and then we just talk about them. And how many of you guys know, as a leader, our character is more important than our charisma. A leader without accountability is a liability, amen? And so, and David had lost accountability. He'd gotten off track, in his heart. Instead of going off to battle, he stayed home, and he's sitting out on his roof, chilling by the pool, sipping mimosas, and he looks out, and he sees a young woman. And instead of going, okay, he looks and looks and looks until he sent, he, he, you know, he crossed the line in his heart, and sometimes when you cross the line in your heart, it's hard not to cross the line right? That's why we have to guard our hearts. And so David now sends one of his servants to go do his dirty work, and he brings Bathsheba, a married woman, into his home. And she gets pregnant. And he tries to lie and cover it up. So he tries to bring her husband, Uriah, who was one of the most faithful soldiers, back to town and he's a loyal soldier so he won't even go in his house he sleeps on the front porch and he's like i need to be back with my men which is how david should have been thinking right uriah is like david's conscience but david doesn't want to he doesn't want to get his heart right yet so he sends uriah back to the front lines and he ends up being killed on the front lines and now there's blood on david's hands he broke half of the 10 commandments not because he set out in the morning and said, you know what, I think I want to be a murderer today, but because he crossed the line in his heart. How many of you guys know, sin always takes you further than you want to go. It costs you more than you want to pay, and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. And so David had crossed the line, and because he didn't take time to, to get right with God, it kept taking him further and further into this pit to where he finds himself where now he basically has betrayed not only a family, and destroyed a family, but he's betrayed his whole kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, should he have grace? Should God forgive him? Like, it's kind of, it's like on the line where you're like, I don't know, He's it, it, ha, is it possible to go so far that you can't come back? It's kind of scandalous when you think about God's mercy and His grace forgiving David after doing what he did. And yes, there were consequences. It ultimately, uh, it, 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 it brought war and bloodshed on David's kingdom from there on out. It's ultimately why David wasn't allowed to build the temple, because God said, you've got too much blood on your hands, right? And so there's many consequences of his sin, but did God forgive him? He did. You know, and so I look at this psalm, and it gives me hope because if God can forgive David, then he can forgive us, right? But it also gives me wisdom, too, in that if I, if I can pray this prayer, when I go off in my heart, maybe I won't have to suffer the pain of the consequences of my life following my heart off track, God gives us hope, and He gives us a pathway of restoration in the psalm. Isn't that beautiful? Did you notice the part where it, said, it talked about the broken bones? What did it say? I thought that was interesting. Is it seventeen? Where does it say the bones you have broken? <clears throat> I just thought that was interesting because how many of you guys know, like, our anxiety is directly connected to our disconnect from God? And and that comes out in our body, our physical, I mean, you feel that in your body. When we're not right with God, there's a, there's a tension in our soul. There's an anxiety, and it comes out in our own physical nature. And I think that, you know, in a way, like, God allows us to experience that. The, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Did God physically crush his bones? Not really, right? But, but he, he felt like his bones were crushed in this moment. And the good news here is that God has a plan to release you to your purpose by restoring you with hope, to give you new hope, and to restore you with freedom. Praise God. Amen. Um, he wants to lift you up in restoration. And that we see that in God's heart in this psalm that He is merciful, that He's compassionate that He can blot out our transgressions. The word blot out there is really a really cool picture because back in the day, if you were a criminal, they would write down your sins on a parchment and they, they would, um, if you were to be absolved or forgiven or you paid your debt, they would, they, they would, you would be forgiven, but they wouldn't throw out the parchment because they were too valuable, so they would wash it. And they would blot out what you did. And you'd be it would be paid. It would be brand new. It would be a fresh, blank slate. Isn't that beautiful? And I believe that God offers us that. When we look at this, this psalm, we can see that God wants to lift you into hope. He wants to lift you up into freedom. He wants to lift you up to restore your purpose. Um, how? How does he do that? The big idea here today, if you don't if you walk away with one thing, is that his mercy lifts us up if we're willing to get low a lot of us we want to come we want to come up in life but we're not always willing to get low and that's what happened here with David was he wasn't willing to get low but he was he ended up being forced to and i think that's there's a, a lesson there for us if we're willing to have a contrite heart before god that just means my heart is humble i'm going to get low before god then he will lift us up james 4:10 humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up his mercy lifts us up when we're willing to get low. And I'm going to talk about three words today that we see in this passage that that I'm going to just tell you right now, they don't sound like good words, okay? But they're really good words. When you're talking about soul care, if you want to have a heart that's on track before God, if you want to have the character to sustain the calling that God has, I believe God has a calling and a purpose for everyone here. Not just the worship leaders and the pastors. Right? He's called all of us in His church to have influence, to be a light, to be Saul, and to be light in the world and to live our purpose for Him. But we need to have the character. God won't promote you beyond your character. And actually, it's His mercy if He doesn't, because we've seen what happens when people get promoted beyond their character, right? They end up flaming out. And so we want to embrace these three words, okay? Because I, I believe if David would have embraced them sooner, he wouldn't have had such, uh, he wouldn't have had so much damage in his life. Number one is correction. Isn't that a great word? Don't you love receiving correction when your boss at work is like, "Hey, you know, when you did this, can you do this?" And you're like, deep breath, deep breath. <laughs> when I'm driving poorly and my wife says, "Danny." <laughs> She gives me corrections sometimes because I, I don't see my own blind spots. You don't see your own blind spots. I tend to drive a little bit too far on the right-hand side, and my wife reminds me of that. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that she loves me enough to say, hey, you, you're driving too far on the right, and you don't see your blind spots. And I think that's true spiritually about all of us, Right? We don't see our blind spots, and we need to be open to receive correction. David had a friend that cared more about him and the kingdom and the truth of God than his own life. Nathan risked his life to go confront the king. And because of that, David was able to, could you imagine if he, he wouldn't have prayed this prayer, if he had just kept going in that path, how many lives would have been damaged and, and, and destroyed? But David prayed this prayer and was able to turn it around. The second word we're going to talk about is conviction. Isn't that a great word? That's a word that, I know that like, if you're new to the whole uh, church thing, um, it sounds like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to prison and I'm going to be convicted, you know. But the word conviction, it's a word that we'll use when you read something that's true and you recognize that you need to be corrected okay and and that's something that I want to do every day. I want to take time every day to read God's word and receive correction and allow it to convict my heart. Because not we at, at hope we want we we say hey come as you are. We want to be a church where people can come as you are, but we also want to be a church where God can come as he is too. Right? And we don't bend God to our feelings and truth. We bend to his truth, right? He's the creator. So he's given us his word, his truth that sets us right. It sets us right. Um, And then number three, another word you're going to love is confession. Confession. Isn't that great? And the cool thing is we don't have to go confess to a priest. In fact, God, I'm going to read you a scripture here where we can go straight to God and we can confess just like David did in this psalm. We see that right here. We see correction. We see God convicting David of where he was wrong. And then we see him confessing. And this is a pathway to restoration. You want to you want to make things right and be restored in your relationship with God and thrive spiritually as a person? We have to be familiar with these three things. Correction, conviction, and confession. And I know that we're not going to sell a lot of tickets with this sermon today. But It's true, and I'm telling you because I love you, and I want to see you thrive spiritually, and I I need to be reminded of this every day. So how well do you respond? Three things. How well do you respond when someone corrects you and they're right? How well do you respond to that? Number two, how well do you respond when God's truth shows you something that corrects you? It shows you where you've gone down the wrong path and gives you an opportunity to make it right. How well do you respond? Do you stop and admit that you've done something wrong? Or maybe when, when somebody comes to you, when you offend somebody, how quick are you to ask for forgiveness? Did you know that that determines, there's a study that was shown that the determination of marriages that last and marriages that don't hinges a lot on how well each individual can own their stuff and truly apologize. Isn't that interesting? If we don't recognize our stuff and we just act like we did nothing wrong, it's damaging our relationships. You wanna blow up your marriage, just act like you 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 know you never did anything wrong. Okay. Um I, we have opportunities all the time, right? Opportunities. And and sometimes, let me just say this. Sometimes maybe you didn't mean to. Okay. My son was putting together, you know, those like little bead art projects where they're like little beads and you put them together and then you iron them and then they make something? It was like a Boba Fett head. (laughs) My son's into Boba Fett and he made this Boba Fett head. And I was just like uh, eating breakfast or whatever and having my coffee and he left it out on the table and I just went to move something and I didn't realize that he hadn't ironed it yet. He put it together at night, and I just brushed it with my hand on accident, and I just blew up Boba Fett. I mean, Boba Fett just got blasted, you know? He got lightsabered in the head, and it just went... Boba Fett went all over the room, and Kalei, my son, he's seven, you know? And it was like, he looked at me, you know that look where you're like, I just broke his heart. I mean, tears instantly come down his face, and it was like, how dare you? You crushed my soul, you know? And he just ran and hid in the garage. And I could have just been like, whatever. I didn't mean to do it. You know what I mean? But as a dad, like, I care about his heart. I care ab- I love my son, you know? And so I ran to him in the garage. I got down on my knee. And even though I didn't mean to do it, I just said, Kale, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? How can I make this right with you, you know? Even though it didn't seem like that big of a deal to me, I knew it was a big deal to Him. And I think that it's important that when God shows us something, it may not seem like a big deal to us because when our heart gets off, we can often become callous and desensitized. But if it's a big deal to God, then we got to make it a big deal to us. And if it's a big deal to someone that you're in a relationship, we got to make it a big deal. And that's the third point is this confession, right? Is I'm going to say repent and confess. So A, receive correction, receiving correction. B, responding to conviction, that we respond when God shows us something, when we, we did something, even if it was accidental, and even if it doesn't seem like a big deal, that we acknowledge it is a big deal. If it's in God's Word, it's a big deal. If we hurt someone else, it's a big deal. And then we have to... Our, our, our final response is that we repent and confess. And when we come with a humble heart, He can forgive us and restore our communion with God, which is ultimately where, where the life is, right? That's what, He is the source of love and life, and if we're disconnected from Him, we're, we're walking away from the light, right? But First John says, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? And I think we live in a world where it's, like, it's almost like, not only do we not confess, but it's almost like we don't, we don't want to admit that we're, we even did anything wrong. You know what I'm saying, but all it takes is getting together with a group of children to realize that. Like we we had our kids camp, which I think was a huge win. We did the adventure kids camp together. We're we're three churches partnered together in our county, and we've been doing some really fun things together. And one of the greatest things was this kids camp, and we had all these kids together, and we we brought them in. And, you know, we had so much fun stuff there from water slides to bounce castles to zip lines every activity super fun skits um, but it was all about wanting to share the love of God and Josh Englehart who was sharing in this moment he said hey who here knows that you've like lied or you've done something wrong before you know in every kid right every kid like it doesn't take us very long as children to realize that we've done something wrong and we don't have to teach kids how to sin, do we? I, and I know, hey, it, the gospel is this. You were created in the image of God to be very good. But we have all sinned. Every one of us. David even said, I was sinful at birth. We were born into a world that has departed from God's love and truth, right? And we're, we're, as, a, as, a, as a world, we're walking away from, from God. And, and, but he loves us so much that He gave His Son for us, that we can believe in Him and be forgiven and be made right and be restored back in relationship with our Creator, and then ultimately to become more and more like Him. Amen? And so, but as children, we recognize this as kids, right? I remember being a 10-year-old kid and being up at camp, and, and they were saying, hey, who here needs to be forgiven? And it was the most amazing feeling to be able to admit that I had sinned. And confess that and be forgiven. And that weight just was lifted off of me. And then we can move on. Right? That's the beauty is then we can move on walking with God, thriving in our relationship with God because he's made us clean at the cross once and for all. But how many of you guys know there's something about this every day, keeping our heart on track. Even though what he says about me is true, even though, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven, and I know God, and I'm forgiven, and I'm, I'm in His eyes, I'm chosen and loved and holy and righteous. How many of you guys know, like, every day we have that opportunity. You get in the car, and we can lose our Christianity. Or like David, he got out on the roof, and he, he lost, you know, he lost his way because his heart went the wrong way. And I think it's important that we have these checkpoints, that we take time regularly to repent and confess and come back to God. What's really cool? I'm gonna just close with this concept, but, and I want to read this one more time, and then Savannah's gonna lead us in a song. Uh, actually, Keith Green last week was the 40 year anniversary of Keith Green's death, and he wrote this song from this psalm that is one of my favorite songs of all time. We're gonna sing that today, but um, I want to read this one more time. But I want to think about this. David prayed this prayer, but then he wrote it down. As a song, and I wonder how many times David sang this song. Cause sometimes when we sin or when we blow it, God forgives us, but we don't forget. Right? And sometimes even though He's He's allowing us to move forward, we're still looking back and we're still feeling that guilt and that shame, or maybe we get off track in our heart. And and so I just kind of think that I don't know this for a fact, but I'm I wonder if David wrote this as a song that he sang again and again. And how many times, how many people in history have been able to take this psalm and do soul care and sing it again and again and again.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.